Welcome to Box to Box Football. Welcome, 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 Box to Box Football. Good to have you back. We got a three-man weave tonight. I'm Kyle, joined by JJ and and Stu. And guys, I got my blue card here so oh. that I can send you to the sin bin for misbehavior. Um, latest uh, coming out from FIFA. Now, this is something that it looks like it's it's experimental, but um, and we're, we're going to get to the. Uh, the, the FA Cup, the the, uh, the fourth round replays. We got uh, match week twenty four in the in the Premier League coming up. Afcon and uh, the Asian Cup are both winding down. But I thought this was was really interesting what came out from FIFA today. Um, and and again, this is not something that they've instituted yet, but it, it's the blue card, um, which is different from a red card and a yellow card, obviously. But what it would do is uh, it would address the the cynical fouling and some of the dissent we see from players towards referees where if you are issued a blue card, you would have to, uh, essentially, you would be sent to the penalty box or the sin bin, as they're calling it, which I totally love. But it would be a 10-minute penalty then where your team would have to play uh, down a player for the next uh, 10 minutes uh, in a way to kind of stamp out some of that cynical fouling. Now, guys, I know every time there's a rule change, the immediate reaction is sometimes like, I don't know about that. Um, but, you know, you're, you're always – you know, you're looking for ways to, to improve the, the, the quality of play. Um, and they've obviously decided that this is something that they want to get, get out of the game. Uh, it it kind of reminds me a little bit too, and I'll give you a cross-sport analogy here, right, where, where the NBA got rid of the, uh, the transition take foul, as they call it. When you intentionally stop a fast break by just trying to reach in and foul a guy, now you get a free throw and the ball back. To me, this is kind of the soccer version of that. Um, just, just your thoughts on this. Obviously, again, it's not something that we're going to show up tomorrow and Premier League referees are going to have a blue card. There's probably going to be a trial period um, to kind of see how it works out. But just your your, your thoughts overall on, on the rule change that they're kind of uh, spitting out there. Yeah, so it's actually a rule that I've seen put in play before. Uh, so this is a rule, the the blue card or the the descent rule, in essence, that's been in play for I want to say three or four years now in the very the, the lower levels of what's known as the you know, the non league tiers. So step five, step six, or this is tier nine, tier ten. This has been in play for a bit, and it more is for the fact to really cut down on the descent. To referees because you think that premier league referees you, you know champions league referees top level referees they get it you know just absolutely hounded by players it's 10 times worse when you go down the pyramid the irony is if you pick up cards you have to pay a fine if you get these sorts of cards because in the past it's a yellow card and you would sit um you would also get fined so realistically if you dissent you get sent off to the bin for 10 minutes it comes straight out of your pocket so these are things to kind of you know at that level it's a bit more of a substantial thing but in the grand scheme of things i think this is a good thing this might go against the popular belief but for the dissent side of things this is going to stop players from just packs of them going after referees to try and sway decisions this will stop maybe some of the cynical fouling. I'm not really sure on that one. I think that's getting into the gray area bit of it again. And you know, we could still talk about how the handball rule, we still don't truly knew, know what it is amongst other things. But for me, the dissent thing, it has proven that it's worked. Um, and I don't mind seeing this go through. And Stuart, for you, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear because, again, you're someone that's come into the game relatively recently in the last few years. This is 
kind of the period where it's really gotten out of control. Yeah, and I've seen that. that. That's the one thing I kind of worry about. Like you talk about it from a descent angle, and I totally get that. I think that's more than fine uh, if you're trying to eliminate descent and you're trying to penalize players for that. I get it. I think the sticky situation for me is if you're trying to, I mean, look at it this way. I don't think, especially in the Premier League, we'll just talk about the Premier League. They can't differentiate between a red and a yellow. That's still a problem. And we've seen that not once or twice this season, many times, dozens of times, where the guy gets given a red, probably should have been a yellow. Guy only gets a yellow, probably should have been a red. So that's where I kind of worry about like, okay, in theory, I kind of see what you're saying, but I think the implementation of it, and of course, we've, we're talking about down the road. This is just a trial, like you guys mentioned. But if this ever does come to fruition into the Premier League, into English football in the higher levels, that's what I worry about is like, okay, we're putting more decisions into the referee's hands where they really haven't shown us, uh, that at least recently, like you said, as long as I've been watching the sport, especially the last couple of years, they really haven't shown that they're able to differentiate between yellow and red. So if you add a blue card into it, I think that just makes it more complicated. And we're going to be, we're going to have times when we're more mad coming on this podcast when guys are sent off for 10 minutes. So that that's my concern. In theory, it's a good idea, but I think the implementation of it could be a problem. No VAR is going to be involved as well. I yeah. think though, this is almost one of those where you're dangling the carrot out to say, ooh, if you guys keep acting like this, we are going to do something about it. So maybe, if anything, does it fully come to fruition? We don't know. But could it just use that as a threat to stop this absolute nonsense? Maybe. All right, FA Cup, guys. Let's uh, let's hit the fourth-round replays here, and then we'll get into the uh, the match week coming up in, in the Premier League. Um, but Southampton, Coventry, Leeds. Forest in a shootout and Chelsea three one over Aston Villa all get through to the fir- to the to the fifth round. This this Chelsea team, um, it, it, I don't know what to make of. Chelsea. I know we've we've kind of made a joke of it, and it's like is Chelsea back? And some weeks we're like yes, and other weeks we're like no. I think they might fire Poach this weekend um, because they, they they won three in a row in the Premier League. Then they lost two in a row in the Premier League. So so we're we we got the the pitchforks out again, and then they beat a really good Villa team three one uh in the in the replay to get into the fifth fifth round um let's let's just hit the chelsea thing right now like 11th place in the premier league guys what is this chelsea team i mean it it can be a cup team this year it can be a cup team and that's perfectly fine you know chelsea like many other quote-unquote big teams they're kind of judged on the reputation of having trophies in their trophy cabinet so why not if you know that you're not going to be making runs in the Premier League this season I mean we look at where they they sit in the table right now is is a bit of a distance off any sort of European spots actually I take that back they're four points as of right now from a potential conference league spot but you know if you're not in a position to do something you can have a successful season by bringing home two trophies and be the domestic cup kings of your own country so why not? I mean, you're talking about the side that they put out. It's a strong side. I don't think Villa fielded a A side, like the side that they'd probably play on the weekend. They did have options off the bench. Um, they were resting some players as well. I know they still have a number of players that are coming back from injury. But with that being said, I mean, I think Villa, they've got much greater things to think about because they do have this backdoor variety to stay in European football for the next year if they win the Conference League. And right now they're sitting in the positions for Champions League spots. So 
is it the biggest concern for them? Probably not. So they put in the performance that we kind of anticipated and for Chelsea credit to them. You know what? Sometimes you just have to put your hands up and say they went out, put on a performance and they're moving on. That's knockout football for you. And it's not exactly an easy job going on the road to Villa Park and coming away with any sort of a result. And let's not take away the absolute stunner of a free kick from Enzo. I mean, that will probably be up there for goal of the competition. And maybe for Chelsea, that turning point to get them right for the, you know, the final stretch runs, Stu. Yeah, absolutely. It So this was like weird because I was talking to a buddy and I was like, he's like, oh, how do you think this match is going to go? And I'm like, well, it's Villa at home. They're way better. Chelsea's looked terrible lately. Villa's going to win 3-1, 3-0, something like that. Clearly not what happened. This is the response from Chelsea that I was looking for on the weekend when they played Wolves. I thought coming off that thrashing against Liverpool where they got absolutely dominated, I thought they would come back and show some fight and have a good win. They did not do that. They lost 4-2. A couple deflections uh, they let in. So it's some tough goals they gave up. But again, four goals is four goals you give up uh, against Wolves. That That's that's pretty tough. This was a lot better. This was actually, I think this might have been one of their best performances this year. Like they've had some pretty good performances, even, you know, in a, sloppy season right like they drew against arsenal they dominated spurs i believe that was in november and that was when spurs got two red cards and a few injuries um they drew against city in that 4-4 match that back and forth match they obviously beat middlesbrough 6-1 in the uh Carabao cup semi-final second leg so they've had some good performances but this one was this one was important because the pochettino out talk was at a high the past week or so a lot of questions. I know there were some rumors that Enzo Fernandez already wants out. So it's been a really tough time. And they look, they showed that they want to play for Pochettino. If they didn't want to play for Pochettino, I think you would we have don't. a lot different result than a 3-1 at Villa. Yeah, exactly. So that's a good result. And like JJ said, like if they can get one or two trophies, they get two trophies. That's more than that's that might be more than Liverpool's gonna get. That might be more than Arsenal's gonna get. Like that's you know, you're you're rating it on a scale, but it's that's a successful season if you can get two uh two cups out of the deal. So I, I was impressed with their performance. They played Jackson on the left side, which I thought was interesting throughout of the match. And then they kind of played Palmer more up the middle. I thought that was an interesting adjustment, but they played a really strong side. They showed they wanted it. And and for me, I mean, at this point, that's all you could really ask. And you know, if they put some good matches together, uh, they'll be in good shape. Their run of games is interesting. Uh after Palace this weekend, they're they're at City, then they have Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final, um, and then they have Leeds in the FA Cup at Brentford, home against Newcastle at Arsenal. So there's some tough ones in there. So they're going to have to keep playing this way like they did the other day if they want to uh, continue that run, JJ. And one thing to keep in mind as well, Christopher Nkunku is still finding fitness back. This is now match five that he's been in the squad for. And I mean, if we're talking about that, they've had a rocky run of form over the last couple of weeks. You also have to look at the teams that they've played against. Villa X2 in a cup. Liverpool away and a, a Wolves team that's probably playing some of the best football this season so you know if he can get any sort of a level that we saw when he was with RB Leipzig and you know I I don't think it's he's one player that's going to change the whole thing but he's another piece that you add back into the puzzle that they didn't have in the first half of the season and you talk about the run the advantage for Chelsea is the final month and a half of the season it's a nice little setup for them where they're home to, or sorry, they're away to Sheffield United. This is the start of April. Home to Everton, away to Brighton, away to Villa, home to West Ham, 
away to Forest, home to Bournemouth. There's a lot of points that could truly be up there. So again, if they're a team that's in that sort of 9, 10, 11 position, but maybe only seven points off of a European place, if they're playing decent football at the time, they could, Kyle, actually make that run a little late surge when some of those other teams might be starting to pack it in, knowing that, hey, our, our race is run, good season, let's just make sure we stay up. And I don't see them changing the manager at this point. They've been so through so much upheaval and turmoil in, in terms of the just the, the ownership change um, to, to the number of managers, to the number of players in and out. I think the club could actually use for some some stability uh, in, in that position. So I don't see them changing, making a managerial change this year. Um, I, I think Poach is going to get that that second year. Uh, by the way, Chelsea's going to going to host Leeds in the fifth round. Leeds won its replay over Plymouth Argyle, went on the road and won uh, 4-1. to Southampton stayed hot, 3-0 over Watford. Coventry, 4-1 over Sheffield United. Coventry's going to host Maidstone United in the fifth round. Uh, Maidstone, the lowest remaining team. And then Nottingham Forest beats Bristol City in a shootout, 5-3 uh, after a 1-1 draw. Gosh, dude, Matt Turner needed that, didn't he, to, to, to make a save in, in, in the shootout. It's been a tough year. Um, you, you know, everybody here knows that, that – you and I are big fans of Matt Turner. Um, we know his story so well. It has not been a great year for him. It hasn't been a great year for goalkeepers in general at Nottingham Forest. Uh, but but he really needed that, uh, I, I think, for his confidence both at the club level and for whenever he gets back to the national team. Yeah, justice for Matt Turner. I do want to point out the Leeds um, match as well as the Coventry match quickly. Leeds, it was really interesting to see how Daniel Farka let out his team for that night because Plymouth, their goal this season is just make sure they stay up in the championship, uh, which it seems that they should just about do. So they're about seven points off the drop right now. Leeds' focus is get back to the Premier League. They're currently sitting third. And they left some of their big names out of the 11. Joe Gelhart, Bamford, Ruter, Somerville, all those guys didn't start didn't bring on Somerville until extra time. And that's when Leeds gets all three of their goals in an absolutely horrible weather day down the Southwest. It was pissing rain from start to finish, but Leeds get through. And I think for Coventry, you talk about that Maidstone match that they're going to have fascinating, by the way, that's on a Monday night where Maidstone is scheduled to play a national league South game on Saturday the week before they do Saturday, Monday. That is something that does happen in the lower tiers, but I'm going to be curious to see if uh, the Vanarama National League is going to postpone that match to allow them full rest to then travel up uh, north to Coventry. But Coventry are a side that's humming right now. And, of course, if we're going to go American links there, Haji Wright is getting himself in and amongst the goals, had a goal, and I, I don't think you get a officially credited assist on the third tally for the team, but he was very much instrumental in that. So Coventry, who get not, got knocked out by Wrexham of the National League last year in the third round, they're two wins away from Wembley. Uh, Premier League match week 14, guys. It's it's tight again at the top. Come on. We knew it was going to get this way, though. Uh, Liverpool, uh, after the loss to Arsenal, still in the lead. Two-point lead, man. City's on 49. Arsenal's on 49. Aston Villa hanging around in fourth on 46. Tottenham in fifth at 44. Then there's a little bit of gap there to Man United in sixth. Uh, man City does have the, the game in hand. But, um, look, Stu, we knew this was going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And it feels like it's going to come down to the last two or three weeks of the season, doesn't it? 
I agree. I know JJ and I discussed a lot on Tuesday's episode about, you know, Liverpool's and, you know, today throw away the title, uh, losing to Arsenal. It's tough. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I definitely think either way, it's going to go down to 38, 37, maybe 36, but I, I, I would probably say 37 to 38 in terms of match day. Um, and I, I do still think City's just so superior right now. I, I know Liverpool does have the lead. They still have the advantage in terms of if they win out and if they beat City March 9th, then the title's theirs if they win out. But that's that's a tough ask. They they have some injuries too. Again, they were just getting healthy. And now, you know, obviously Salah's still out. He's not going to be back for Burnley. Maybe the following week he'll be back. Uh, Soboslai is now out. Uh, he has a hamstring injury. He's out for Burnley. We'll see how long he's out for. Uh, Tiago. Tiago comes back. Uh, they they had him in bubble wrap for the entire season. He plays five minutes against Arsenal, touches the ball ten times, and then uh, he has a, a mysterious muscle injury again. So just just tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be. It's probably going to come down to who stays healthy. That's another thing. Like if City, who now are really healthy, if they stay healthy, they'll they'll win the league. Um, but it, 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 I do agree. I think it's going to come down to the last uh, two or three match days. I just wonder, too, they, they've got Burnley at, at Anfield this weekend. I don't want to say the game makes you nervous. We know where Burnley is. They've really struggled. They're in the bottom three. They had a nice Burnley, had a nice comeback last week against Fulham where they erased a two-goal deficit to, to grab a point at home. But does it feel like a game where you're like, I, I hope we don't mess around here and end up dropping points? Definitely. Like, and they played Burnley. They they played the reverse fixture. They played at Burnley. I believe it was Boxing Day or the day after Boxing Day. It was right around that festive period. And it was a tough, it was a tough match. Like that, it they didn't come out and dominate. And Burnley's one of those teams that weirdly they're kind of better away from home this year than they are at home. Sixty-two uh, percent like of their points are away from home, which is kind of strange. So yeah, it's tough. None, none of these Premier League. I mean, maybe Sheffield. I, I maybe I'll say that's kind of an easy one, but Burn, even Burnley, it's, it's it's nothing's guaranteed in this league. Even being at Anfield, you know, I, I'm. I want to say I'm confident, but I'm never really like, okay, they're definitely going to win. This is going to be 4-0, 5-0, 4-1, something like that. Easy, but I'd like it to be that, but I don't think that's that's the case. I, I'd actually be surprised if it's that easy because nothing comes that easy in this league. JJ, we got Villa against United. <sighs> Look, Man United is, they're, they're hanging around. Like, like I don't want to write them off as a potential top four team um, because I think they're they're still – they're still within arms arms rank like there. Uh, if they go to Villa and get a win here, they've won the last two in the league. They've only lost one of the last five. Um, and maybe it's just maybe it's just me, but it feels like the the vibes around Manchester United are just like they change by the game. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, you never know what team is going to show up on a given day, but um, obviously they're going to feel pretty darn good after probably putting in the best or most complete performance of the season against West Ham on the weekend where, you know, the, the kids did their thing. Garnacho with a couple of goals, Hoyland who scored now in four consecutive Premier League matches, including getting one right around his birthday. So this is one of those situations right now where we speak about how Villa a few minutes ago, how they put a strong, but maybe not their complete strongest team and get absolutely handled with kid gloves by Chelsea. Now they're back at home. Obviously they're going to have a response, but this is going to prove the medal to Emery. If this is going to be the competition that you're focusing on, 
you have to block what happened a couple of days out of your head. Because if you don't, you have a, a Manchester United team who have a nice run of matches through the rest of February. Sorry, Kyle, your Fulham's in there, but they have a nice run of matches that they can climb the table up before they take on City at the Etihad to begin the month of March. So, yeah, if you're talking about trying to get back into Champions League contention, this is almost a must-win match. And on the flip side for Villa, if you want to stay in the top four, because there's a match I want to get to in a second that involves another team that's right on that edge, this is basically a must-win match. You go ahead, JJ. You want to pick it up with uh, with your match to watch this weekend? Yeah, so for me, the there's two that I want, but the one that kind of feeds in nicely at that top end of the table is Tottenham Brighton. Uh, that's going to be 10 a.m. kickoff, so the 3 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Where Tottenham, you know, they'll probably say that they threw away two points at the end against Everton, giving up a, a goal to Branthwaite for a match that I thought that they played pretty well in. Um, and they're in a position similar to Villa where they're kind of hanging on by a thin thread, hoping that drop points here and there don't come back to hurt them. And they're going to be taking on a Brighton team that just, I mean, they they look great against Palace, but they get, got absolutely slaughtered by Luton beforehand. So we don't really even know what type of Brighton team that we're going to be seeing coming on this one. But again, Brighton are very much in the same situation where they'd like to solidify their spot in some sort of European football competition next year. They still have Europa League, which as we've all said, all three of the English teams very much have a, a stance to say that they're going to go and win that competition. But for Brighton, they're in that like the, the best of the next group currently with themselves uh, United, West Ham, Newcastle, Wolves, and you could throw Chelsea in there just by the way that they're so close. So, yeah, that's the one that I'm going to be fascinated. Who keeps form going? Who bounces back? And then on the flip side, bottom end of the table, Luton hosting Sheffield United. That's a relegation six-pointer. Luton have taken care of business, Stu, in these sorts of matches. They need to keep doing the same, especially against the Sheffield United team where you could even say – in early February, a loss for Sheffield United, I think that puts the nail in the coffin. I totally agree. And Luton, they won their reverse fixture. They won a 3-2 earlier this season. Luton scored a goal in each of the last 10 and 22 goals are in that stretch. Before that, they only had 10 goals in their first 12 games total. So they were playing a lot better than they did in that first half of that season. And yeah, Sheffield's a mess. They had that five loss of Villa. Four matches this season they've lost by five or more goals. So yeah, it's getting, it's getting late very early for them. And I'm very intrigued to see who wins that. That's obviously a, a big one uh, for the relegation battle. One of match that I think is interesting, I'm actually intrigued by West Ham and Arsenal. I know Arsenal has been good. They obviously came off that massive win this weekend against Liverpool. They've won three straight to start the year in the Premier League. But West Ham, they have given Arsenal a little trouble this season. They beat them in 3-1 in the League Cup. Uh, they beat them 2-0 in the reverse fixture at Arsenal. So it's definitely not a gimme. West Ham have won six straight games at home. So it's tough. Like I obviously on paper, Arsenal's a great team and they're, they're a lot better, but some, something kind of tells me like they, that was such a high beating Liverpool and you could tell what it meant to them. And, and look, they deserve it. They like, I know I saw a lot of people complaining about Arteta celebrating on the sideline. I'm like, what do you like? Why? Like, first of all, Klopp does it all the time when Liverpool wins ever, first of all. And it's like, that was a big game. Were we supposed to not celebrate big games? Like, I, I thought that was kind of absurd. But you, you just saw what it meant for Arsenal. So the question to me is, 
do they continue off of that or is that sort of where they got so high off of it where okay maybe they they lose a step and then they drop points to West Ham I I do think that is a good match on Sunday I could definitely see that being one that maybe West Ham steals a point here yeah you guys actually mentioned it I strangely pointed to the uh the Luton uh Sheffield United match was kind of the one that I I had my eye on at the bottom of the table Luton because we, we we gave Luton a lot of stick when we were going through our preview shows. Some of us may have said they, they could potentially be the worst team ever in the Premier League. And it hasn't turned out that way at all. They they played you know, they played really hard and they're and they played better uh the last couple of weeks. They've scored eight goals in the last two weeks. Elijah Adebayo has four of those eight goals for them. Um they've got Sheffield United coming to Kenilworth Road. You you would think Sheffield United, if they're gonna save this they're not, but if they are, uh, it's got to start right here with a win in this game. They're already nine points back. Of Lut- Luton's the first team outside that that bottom three. Um, a- any hope for Sheffield United starts with has to has to start with a win over Luton. But I find myself kind of rooting for Luton, don't you? Like like it's sort yeah. of this scrappy underdog. In I-, I almost find myself rooting for them to to stay up. It. it does anybody else kind of feel that way about them? Yeah, absolutely. We talked about it on the podcast uh, on Tuesday. I, I, I said, like, other than Liverpool winning the league, that's the thing I'm rooting for the most is Town to stay in the league. I think they will. It's looking good. I, I hope it stays that way. But I, I love the story. I'm absolutely all about it. Yeah. I mean, as Stu said, we kind of went on a bit of a rant about this, which, once again, Kyle, I'm now going to be showing you a blue card because you clearly don't listen back to podcasts. <laughs> lazy um but yeah no i think we're all kind of in agreement that if there's a team that everyone was kind of having a lot of doubts and putting pre-meditated beliefs that teams like luton town should not be in the premier league well have some they're they're here stepping away from the premier league we have the two um continental championships that are wrapping up this week the the afcon and the asian cup let's start in africa because i think there's a fascinating story there uh, Ivory Coast, the, the host nation, fired its manager after the group stage. And then there was not eliminated yet because you have best third place teams that are, that go through there, right? And and they end up getting one of those spots into the knockout round. And what do they do with the new manager? They go on this incredible run in, in front of their home fans all the way to the final. Um, and they're going to play against Nigeria on Sunday. That's one of those those big matchups in Africa. Two of the, the teams that have uh, historically, you know, been two of the top teams from that continent. Um, JJ, I know you you follow this this tournament closely. Just kind of take us through this final and and, and what we could potentially expect from it. Well, the two semifinals, first off, are fascinating in their own right. Um, Ivory Coast, yeah, you said they they figured out a way. I think what has helped is the introduction to uh, Sebastian Haller into the tournament who wasn't available during the group stage. I mean, it's crazy to say that one player can make that much of a difference in a national team, but maybe just knowing that like, oh, here's our carrot to get out of the group stage. We unlock one of our best players in our side. Now we can start to roll. And, you know, they've been scrappy. Um, The goal that Haller scored was scrappy against DR Congo. He basically just slammed it off the volley into the ground and it happened to pop right over um, the keeper's head. But you, you, you look at this team right now and there's a number of players that obviously we're all fairly familiar with. Uh, Simon Nadingra, of course, the Brighton man. Um, 
there's guy Willie Bully, of course, who's with Forrest. Singo, um, Wilfried Singo for Monaco, by the way, at 23 years old. Keep an eye on him because he is having one heck of a tournament right now. And Franck Kessier, who's kind of running the show in the midfield. So I think they're going to thrive on the home crowd. Um but it's a multiple time champion against multiple time champion where Nigeria, let's face it, the last few years have been nothing short of turmoil for arguably one of the most um, prolific African national teams. Uh, they've won this competition three times now, I believe, but they were given an absolute fight against South Africa. I mentioned on our previous show that transfer market had the South African team collective value at about 22.4 million dollars against nigeria where you're basically going up against a team of players that all played or very recently played in top five leagues and frankly south africa were the better team in this match a pair of penalties will trista kong um gets one in the 67th minute and then uh tebo mokoyena in stoppage time where that was the craziest one because he was fouled in the box not called Go down the other way, Victor Osimhen scores. Referee gets called over, and it was a, <laughs> a, a it was a very much stonewall penalty that the referee just did not have a good view of it. Um, and then we go to extra time. Teams had both chances, and unfortunately, the very courageous uh, Rowan Williams, who he made four consecutive saves to start the penalty shootout in the previous round, which is actually a FIFA record that has never happened before, where a goalie makes four saves in a continental or major tournament to start a shootout, but the super sport United goalie just, he got his hands on a few, but it just wasn't enough on the day credit to them. I mean, this is a South Africa team that basically the entire team plays for one team, the Mamalodi sundowns who are leading the South African premiership. So they've got the core. Now can they use this to springboard, which remember again for, next world cup we're gonna have more teams so maybe south africa gets back but yeah that final is gonna be huge i know it's right before the american super bowl on sunday but if you have a few minutes to watch if you have access to uh the channel in your area i i would watch it because it's gonna be colorful it's gonna be passionate or if you just hate super bowl pregame this would be a great alternative uh, you you said it. Check I in the African Cup of Nations. By the by the way, isn't that so on brand though for the African Cup of Nations to have have the the next stoppage in play be a goal scored by the other team for it to get called for them and the referee to get called over for VAR to take it away was the, the right call though it was it was but it's very on brand for the African Cup of Nations to have that kind of chaos. Yeah, I guess, but it's it's beautiful chaos. Uh, mean, meanwhile, in, in Asia, it's going to be Qatar against Jordan in the final. I don't know how many people had Jordan making the Asian Cup final. Um, usually, um, you think about you know, Qatar, obviously, is the defending champion, which is interesting. Um, Qatar, obviously, the, the, the host this time, but back-to-back Asian Cup finals for them. And sandwiched in between, they had the World Cup, where they were they were really poor in that World Cup that they hosted. Um, but back, back in the final, on home soil, nobody had Jordan. In the final, that's an underdog story. Jordan beat South Korea 2 0. Uh, tear, tears for Jurgen Klinsman, guys. Uh, <laughs> psych. Um, but and, and you, you know who's uh dusting off his resume, by the way, Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena. <laughs> well, may, maybe he's next, maybe he's next man up for South Korea because you know Jurgen Klinsman. Did you see he got back there and that they caught him on camera? He's kind of smirking after they lost, and that became a big storyline in, in South Korea, and he was getting. 
um, you know, question about it. People were yelling at him to, to go back home to California. Uh, but South Korea got the full Jurgen and Klinsman experience in that in that tournament. He's he's you know talk talks a big game. Uh, he gets he gets saved by a couple of uh, very late goals, a little bit of brilliance from uh, Sun Hyun Min, uh, and then it all it all comes crashing down, and they get knocked out by Jordan. Um, JJ, uh, Qatar beat Iran three two in the other semifinal. Uh, you want to preview that final for us, JJ? I mean, the the players that you have to watch is Akram Afif for Qatar, who's got five goals, three assists in this competition. If, if you don't know, he's got the the huge hairdo you you will see him on the field but i mean qatar it's clear they thrive when they play in front of their home fans yes i know they had a a difficult world cup campaign but at the same time they're kind of overmatched i mean but they've built for these national team competitions because the majority of their team plays in their domestic league iran were brave in the context of this match, but you never were going to get through Qatar. And, you know, for Jordan, this is the first time they're making any sort of major final. So it's a huge step for that country. And the man that you do have to watch is Musa Al-Tamari, the, uh, the cam that plays for Montpellier, who's, he was named the man of the match. He scored the insurance goal against South Korea. And yeah, you know what? It's crazy when you have teams and it doesn't matter what sport it is. When you have a team that's, playing to a level that they don't know anything about. So there's no pressure there. Of course there's pressure, but they have never been in this. The pressure is all on Qatar to go defend a title in front of their home country, because you know, what will happen if they don't win? You don't want to envy those pictures. So yeah, for Jordan, this is a free hit right now. Their rankings, like a number of teams in both Africa and Asia are just going to shoot up after, um, the conclusion of these tournaments in the next window comes out and it's going to lead to a very fascinating next couple of years with qualifying for the world cup and how those teams will go about. Could we be seeing them in North America in a couple of years time? Possibly. There's a massive game in Germany in Saturday on Saturday as well. Stu fire Leverkusen has got a, a run of 30 unbeaten with future Liverpool manager, Shabby Alonso on the sideline hosting Bayern Munich this weekend. Leverkusen has got a two-point lead there. Can they hold off Bayern, Stu? Yeah, you read my mind. That's what I was going to bring up next uh, before we signed off here. I'm very intrigued to see what what Leverkusen does. They're the home team in this one. Um, They've been a little more shaky lately. There's been a couple, you know, late goals where they've had to kind of either get the late goal to draw or get the late goal to uh, avoid drawing and get the win, but like you said, they 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 don't lose games, and it's kind of crazy. They they're a fun team to watch. I've really kind of dug myself into watching them the last few weeks more. I was watching them a good amount before, but especially with you know Klopp leaving and and Shabby, you know, almost all but certainly taking over for him at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued to see what they play and and how they look. And it's obviously for Bayern, it's you know, this is kind of this is huge. This is kind of like a very you know. It's a swing match, right? If Byron wins, they go on top of the league. If Byron loses, Leverkusen's up by five points. And we're starting to get a little later into the season. So five point lead, that's that's gonna be kind of tough to to overcome if you're Bayern Munich. So I have a feeling Bayern Munich is gonna win, but Leverkusen, I mean, they've proven the doubters wrong all year so far. Remember, there are thirty-four games in Germany uh in the in the Bundesliga season to a little fewer than the Premier League. By the way, this has got five one Byron written all over it. This is what <laughs> this is just what Bayern this is just what Byron does, right? Yep. I, they they kinda yep. they, they have a stumble or a wobble early on and you go, oh, 
somebody else can can maybe pip them to the title. Where it was Dortmund, remember it was, it's been Dortmund time after time. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig has has tried its hand at that, and at the end of the day, what always happens when it, when, when push comes to shove, when it comes to the big game, Bayern stars show up. Bayern wins the game. This has got this has got they they walk in there they walk in there to Leverkusen. Harry Kane scores a double and and Bayern yeah. puts his foot down and goes no. This is why we win the Bundesliga every year. They do it every year, every year. Is here Lewandowski and now it's Kane. <laughs> um, I want to one before before we go. Did anybody see this Blackburn Rovers transfer thing? So no. so so they were. Oh, you're talking about the the fax machines, right? Yeah, with the fax machines, they yeah. were trying to acquire a player. Um, who, who his name's Duncan McGuire. He he's uh, an under twenty three international for the United States. They were trying to get him from Orlando City on loan for the rest of the year, and they had gone and and agreed on the deal. And he had flown to England to to complete the deal. And then he gets there, and all of a sudden the deal was off. And then the deal was back on. And then they go to they go to finalize it, and they forgot to hit send on the deal on the paperwork. So it never got to the the football league. They tried to appeal it. It came out. The football league today said, "No, you guys messed it up. That's not our fault. No deal." So the 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 poor kid is now on a plane back to the United States, and he's going to join Orlando City here for the rest of its preseason before the before MLS season. But um, I I just thought that was something um, from from the transfer um, window that that came out that I that I found interesting. Leave it to MLS to find a way to. No, that wasn't it MLS. Up. It wasn't MLS's fault. Doesn't matter, Kyle. They messed totally, it up. Totally, this was totally on Blackburn Rovers. Um, but yeah, no, I just thought that was a, a funny one. Uh, poor, poor kid had to go all, all the way to to Blackburn in in England, and then uh, uh, and it got sent back to Florida because the deal didn't get done. Um, but thanks guys for for joining us this week on Box to Box Football. You guys know how to find us. Hit us up. Uh, if you've got questions, we'll. We'll answer them for you. Hit the bell, like, subscribe. We got Champions League coming up um, this week, the knockout round. So I'm sure we'll we'll dig back that into Monday. We'll have week we'll have match week 24 recap plus a look at the the, the midweek champions. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you guys next week.